On this week's episode, we talk with Paul Brenner. With more than 25 years of experience in media and entertainment and technology leadership, Paul Brenner has served in several C-suite roles, including the division president with Eminus Operating Company, which was on NASDAQ, and as president of the Next Radio Tag Station, and his work focused on global innovation through FM chip activations in all smartphones for audience measurement, improved car user experiences, and data attribution platforms for all broadcast radio. Following a successful launch, Brenner was then promoted to president of Audio Out of Home <laughs> and to oversee all efforts surrounding revenue generating activities and related partnerships. And he also serves as a member of the DPAA Research and Standards Committee, the leading global trade marketing association connection out of home media with the advertising community while moving out of home to digital. In this program, Brenner collaborates with other passionate advertising industry leaders and advocates for all the positive impacts that are being made in the digital media landscape. But before we go to the show, there's a couple things I need to mention. One is if you've never had this experience before, use Raise. It's an app that you can save with gift certificates. And so what you do is you can pay with gift cards through the Raise app and you save every day from retails to restaurants, to gas stations, to groceries, you name it, there's a retailer on Raise. You can sell gift cards, you can buy gift cards. And when you buy them, they are usually under the value. So if you bought a $50 gift card, you usually can pay maybe $45 for that gift card or $47 or whatever the case might be. Uh, so I've done with airlines, I've done with travel, I've done with rental cars, I've done all kinds of things using my Raise app and I recommend that you do too. And of course, if you do that, I also get $5 off of my next Raise gift card purchase. So peppershock.com slash offers. And I also want to mention, if you are ever interested in being a guest on the Marketing Expedition podcast, you can apply to be a guest on our show and you go to peppershock.com slash podcasts. Or if you want to become a sponsor or have live endorsements or have your affiliate link mentioned on the show, go to themarketingexpedition.com slash podcasts. Scroll down to the bottom and there's all kinds of information there for you, what you can do to become a sponsor or get an endorsement or have your affiliate link mentioned. So themarketingexpedition.com slash podcasts, and you can find it all there. Now it's time for Ray's Marketing Essentials Moment, something that you need to know on your marketing expedition. One of the things that you need to know that's coming up is Google's page experience update is coming and we are trying to do everything we can to make sure that our clients are all prepared as you should too. It's looking at things like your core web vitals, your, your load time, how, how quickly your page loads, the interactivity that's going to happen on your page or does happen on your page, your visual stability. Is it mobile friendly? Is it safely? Is it, you know, a secure site? Is there, you know, anything that's going to make it difficult to navigate in your page, right? So it wants to measure all of these things. And if you don't have a good score with this, then your page could suffer in basic Google algorithms of being able to be served up. So 
basically anything that can annoy a user on the page that may negatively impact your vital statistics and your metrics can lead to a really low ranking in the search results for your page. So that means that you need to do some things to optimize your page if you haven't already or use your favorite web uh, you know, company to do that. Peppershock Media could be one of them. But there are some things that you need to continue to keep in mind. We are preparing for the end of third-party cookies. Now it's first-party data, not third-party data that is, is going to be allowable. People have to opt in, right? And make sure that the information is not violating privacy policies, right, and regulations. So the end of third-party cookies, uh, new privacy regulations are coming up, and we have to just get comfortable with first private, first-party data collection practices. So loyalty cards that where people actually give you your information and you can utilize it that way because they've given you permission to be able to utilize the information. Maybe there's, um, you know, email where you can collect emails and you ask their permission to then send them information, right? Uh, so those are some things that are coming up that you'll need to be aware of. And also creating those first party relationships and continuing to build the ways that you can effectively still get information that you need in order to market to these people that you want to be your ideal customers, uh, or maybe not, then you'll know that they're not, right? <laughs> uh, but looking at what you can do to continue to increase your ability to hone in your message to the right people and get that message in front of the right people at the right time, right? So thinking about that and then also focusing on how you're going to retain the customers that you have with the data that you do have. So thinking about how you're going to continue to do campaigns for the customers that you currently have in your email list or on your, you know, in, in any of your data that you have that you're marketing to them, uh, just continuing to retain them, ask them permission, right? If you haven't, then make sure that you continue to interact with them, especially if it's text messaging or, you know, emails, all of the things like mobile alerts that are happening now. And, and then another thing too is on social media, being able to target on social media, that's still a thing, but you know, there's, there's different ways to go about it on Facebook and on Instagram and allow people to shop directly on those platforms to be able to then target them through those methods as well. So some of the things that you need to know in your marketing essentials, getting you through the journey that we are on today. But without further ado, let's get into the interview with Paul. Welcome to Peppershock Media's Marketing Expedition Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in marketing and advertising. Now here's your host, Ray Allen. Welcome to the Marketing Expedition Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Allen, and today I have Paul Brenner with us. And Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. So I just want to kind of share with our audience a little bit about you. And I know we had the bio, but just share, kind of give us a, a walk through your journey and what got you to where you are now. I think, uh, you know, it, it has been a journey. I, I'm in my 50s, so I can definitely say it's been uh, quite quite a few years. But uh you know, 25 years in traditional media, different things, radio, television, print, uh, you know, then of course gave way to the internet and, and other things. But I started my journey as a tech guy. I was one of those kind of, uh, I tried to be an engineer and when I went to college and came out and figured out I really wasn't that good at it. Um, my creative brain took over. So over time I, I went from, you know, very heavy in the way traditional media and advertising worked on the back end 
more into the role of, of leading companies and uh, being a part of something like Vibonomics. Okay, so yeah, tell me a little bit more about Vibonomics and where you're at now with uh, audio out of home. Super interesting story. Um, I don't know if you remember this, uh, probably seven years ago now, Exact Target uh, was the company that sold and became Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Um, I think it was about $2.5 billion worth of uh, acquisition. Yeah, well, they're here in Indianapolis and uh, the five or six guys that started that um, became an investment company and uh, early stage investment company. And they found this co-founder, co-founders I work for now, um, they had created this really unique music and messaging platform, very automated, very dynamic. And they had some really grand visions of it. So they invested, they brought in the same people that built Exact Target, and uh, which became Salesforce Marketing Cloud and turned it into much more of a targeted company, very high tech audio targeting company. And so they were about a year and a half or two years into that and um, were trying to really trying to find their way that the, the messaging business is commoditized, right? So they, they weren't getting the premium costs out of it that it, it took to build it and to maintain it. So they approached me, I was leaving corporate America after 22 years, 23 years, wow. you know, and, and uh, I worked for a publicly traded media company and, and loved it, but um, was looking for something fun, scrappy, you know, really got my juices flowing again. And, and uh, so I met with them and I was like, guys, that's an advertising business. That is a beautiful, ready to blossom advertising business. And so they brought me on board and, and uh, that's really what Audio Out of Home uh, came from was, you know, my viewpoint that there is audio aspect of it too. There's the digital out of home renaissance, you know, that was coming from display and, you know, we can kind of look across that spectrum and figure out how we can bring what was kind of a legacy, really like in-store audio, mood media, stale, just like the same music, you know, no real capability to meet the market demands. And I thought we could reinvent it. And uh, that's, that's really what we became, you know, is working with advertisers and retailers to, to bring a much better, like an entertaining experience in the store and then use new technology to sell better, better marketing, better, better advertising. Yeah, so walk us through a little bit about what it means to have out of home advertising specifically, kind of maybe some examples so that for those uh, listeners that don't know necessarily what it is, uh, kind of give us a basic overview and then you can dive in yeah. a little bit to some samples or examples that you've done. Yeah, sure. Um, you shop at a grocery store, right? Or you shop at a convenience store, you hear the music overhead, right? Um, yeah. And so that, you know, that's generally what we do. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of technology with real time. You know, we, we have people that are dedicated to programming no different than a, you know, a, a playlist channel on a streaming platform. You know, we're, we're dedicated to what that grocery store wants to sound like, you know, what's their brand, what do they want to have, you know, as far as quality of music and types of music. So we'll create, you know, we have like 3000 different playlists that, that the, uh, the retailer can pick from. And so we put a lot of energy into like, if you have a thousand stores and you want them all to sound the same, that's fine. If you want 50 to sound like this and 20 to sound like this and one to sound like that, and you want the music to change every hour because that's the age and shift in the demographic, we program all of that. So we, we essentially, if you add together all of the streaming live streamers, so uh, Pandora, Spotify, iHeart, they, they reach about 193 million monthly uniques. We reach about 200 million monthly uniques. So we have some people that are programming audio that reaches a lot of people, right, throughout a day. 
So that's kind of the beginning of the journey. And then, you know, once we have these people dancing in the aisles, you know, and and uh, tweeting, which they do quite a bit, how much they love our our music and uh, telling us that it slaps and, you know, that we're, uh, you know, we're doing the right things. Uh, we love that feedback. Then we take that to the advertiser and we say, hey, we know what products are on which shelves in those stores. We know the demographics. We know the personas. We have them listening. Look, you can see it. They're engaged with our audio. It's not a display sign. It's not a, a you know, person at home you're trying to convince to go to a store or, you know, or, or hit their mobile phone and try to get them to go someplace where the deal is. They're in the store. They're engaged with our audio. We can tell by our data partnerships that this, you know, kind of mac and cheese is available in these 1,000 stores. Let's just run ads in those stores at specific times to meet your, right, to meet your interested party. And by the way, when you're done, we've done the creative with you that people like. We, we can judge it. We can, we can rate it. We're going to show you that you sold more products, right? So that, that really, when you say audio out of home, it's kind of like the way digital out of home went towards like geopath and, you know, uh, measurement of who's looking at the billboard, who's looking at the screen, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then trying to create media campaigns that, that make a difference. That's exactly what we're doing. We're just doing it with audio playing inside of the grocery and the convenience store network. Yeah, and what you said earlier about just the time of day and the different demographics that you're going to have. And I also imagine, um, you know, if it's dinner time, right before dinner time or, you know, right before lunchtime, those time frames, you know, not just the, yeah. the demographic, uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, what's think going about on it. in people's minds, yeah. Think about a meal prep program, right, where you've got a company that's huge now, right, especially with Pandora and our Pandora pandemic. Um, we did some campaigns with meal prep companies where we targeted that specific day part and had creative that was uh, a voice that, that you know, just the, the target audience they wanted to hear would typically engage with. Uh, we made it fun, you know, we, and we, we said, we got them like a, I don't remember what it was, a 32% lift, you nice. know, in incremental sales, um, a control versus test. And it's because it was that impulse buy. A lot of things that we do too are campaigns with things that either someone usually forgets to put on a list, a grocery list, or, right. you know, seasonally we might remind them we, you know, we didn't have to do a lot, but adult beverage flew off the shelves during the pandemic. And, but we were able to guide people towards specific things, right. And show the, the, um, brand that we may have been working with, we could help them get the attention. Someone was already going to buy liquor, you know, but we, <laughs> we helped. Right get in their head a little bit about which liquor they should buy, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's about, it's a mental cue, right? I mean, it's psychological, it's audio. If you can hear it throughout the whole store, you can't hide from it. You don't have to stare at it. You don't have to be in front of the screen. If you don't have AirPods in or whatever your earbuds are, then you can hear it. And that's, that's, a, that's a pretty strong uh, medium. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, I do remember for Mother's Day, just recent, um, that's why I ended up remembering that I needed to get, you know, my mom and my grandparents and, you know, oh, all yeah. the in-laws yeah. and, and everything, cards and gifts, because it's Mother's Day coming up, you know? And yeah, that's right. Like, I was kind of thankful that I heard that over, you know, the over loudspeaker. So it's probably brought to you by American Greetings or something. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. That part I don't remember, but I do remember, you know, venturing yeah. down the card aisle for that's that right. very reason. You bought more cards. That's yeah, right. and that's. I mean, that's really what we we try to do, and it's it's so much fun of where I came from, and you know, a constant investors and 
corporations always trying to figure out something new, some way to reinvent audio, right? And, and that at the end of the day is a great medium for advertisers that can both be good for them and the people that are shopping. Hey, you got a benefit because you were reminded to pick up your cards, right? So there's two sides to it. Um, and, and it's just been really fun for me because that has, that was a challenge when I left corporate America. I got, well, do I go to work for a streamer? Do I jump on the podcast wagon? Do I, you know, eh, blah, that, none of that sounded fun, but this, this really got my attention and I've, it's just been really fun to watch it explode. Yeah. I can imagine how much you can provide as proof, you know, when you go back to them and say that you had that 32% bump because of what we did and it's proof, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that's what everybody yeah. wants is an ROI on what they're spending their marketing dollars on for sure. They do. Well, let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit. Um, I want to know kind of like um, some, some things that you do to market your own company now. Like you said, you mentioned you reached out to some grocers and things, but since we're on the marketing expedition podcast, I want to understand how you market your services to those that would purchase from you. Um, it's a great question. When I came on board with Vibonomics, it was very much a SaaS company. Right. And, and your traditional, your kind of your typical SaaS approaches or lead gen tools, right? And and a lot of just hammering people with requests to come click through and easily demo and easily, right? You try to take that path and just recreate it over and over. Um, we're category creators. I mean, we, you know, like I said, there's in-store audio, mood. Those are the folks that are out there still doing what they did 34 years ago. Um, they aren't really investing in themselves. They don't have a new story to tell. Um, like we do. And, and so we really took on the task, my, you know, my Kate, well, there's was one, now there's two marketing people, um, you know, that are really out there working the category creation style of brand marketing. Right. And we leverage our, we mostly leverage, um, getting other people to talk about us, right. Building that credibility, um, partnerships with great names like 8451, right, uh, Vistar Media, IRI Media Center of Excellence. And when you find that kind of um, collaborative purpose, like you're both in it for a good reason, everybody's happy to support each other. And that, you know, that takes a lot of energy. That's not investment in a lead gen tool, like, a, you know, a Terminus or, you know, one of these kind of typical things. It's a lot of relationship building, um, you know, and just, convincing people that you're worth talking about or you're worth going into business with. And then once you do that, you can say, oh, let's all go out like we did New Fronts last year and you should watch our video, but it's this full you know, animation series. I don't know if you watched it or not, but um, it's really fun. It was like with Disney sketch artists did it. And we had folks from Dentsu, we had Kara Pratt from 8451, Michael Provenzano, the CEO of DPAA, all really just talking about audio out of home in general you know, category creating that is something you should care about. And by the way, Vibonomics does it, obviously, right? Um, But putting that intensity into why the people that have had this space under their thumb for so long have done nothing to improve it. The market has shifted. We've made the investment. You can get the benefit, right? And so that's really, that's, we're still, that's still the path we're following, um, mainly because I don't really, want to invest in a bunch of legion tools when you know as well as i do the advertising industry is all about relationships right absolutely Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah 
what's what's something that you wish maybe one of your customers would do that yet hasn't done that would be wildly successful in your mind that if they went down this path and they tried something unique and different what's something that you can think of that would be like oh yes i want them to do this on the advertising side more than the retailer side or do you well, care? maybe, yeah. I mean, what comes to mind is like if there's something that they could use uh, this tool, but haven't, hasn't been used yet that you would wish that they would do. Yeah, I think, and I'll kind of reflect back on what I said about category creation and looking at what's been, right? What it's been and what it's been has generally been an afterthought, right? Where you're saying um, this was a budget I had last year and it's the same budget I have this year. And it's $2 CPMs and I'll, I'll just put it everywhere and there we go like that. And that's really what we face a lot in the market is just kind of lazy sales and lazy deliverables. Um, but we, we think, we know that because of automation, what we bring programmatic, right? I can issue PMPs. I can align with, with much bigger systems. I would love to see more of our advertisers looking at us in that way holistically, because I think the ones that we have done where we've done a media campaign and it's part of something more holistically, right? Across their programmatic, across all their media plan, we really can make a big difference. And we've seen up to 52% lift when we do that. So what I, what I really wish is that right. more, you know, more people would take it that seriously and think about audio out of home truly as part of the strategic as, as opposed to an afterthought. And, and those have just been the, the really fun ones that we've done. And unfortunately, we've had a lot less of those than the, hey, you know what? I spent $25,000 last year for this period of time. There's your budget. And we're like, well, that's not really, let's look at day parts. Let's look at demographics. Let's look at an hour. You know, let's, let's look at creative production. Let's kind of look at the whole picture. Um, let's look at other parts of the media plan so we can play off the creative story, you know, and, and build that up. Yeah. And so that's what I wish would be more, more frequent. I guess. So yeah, no, instead of it being an afterthought, it's a forethought and it's built around thinking about audio out of home to be able to put that as the, you know, the catalyst that's going to then create everything else as opposed to the other way around, right? Yeah, we did a, we did a candies, we did a a deal with a a pretty big name candies of confectioners um, that was launching some new flavors of, of things. And their whole team was involved with this and really played off of the other mediums they had. We analyzed our creative against these ABX, by the way, audio benchmark uh, index. And then we compared it against the others. We looked at the effectiveness as our, ours versus maybe other mediums, streaming audio or, or you know, a, a, a TikTok or, and I don't know, when you can really dig into that and have a team on the other side that feels that, I mean, they renewed, so that's probably a good sign. Um, but, but, you know, it, it was exciting, you know, and, and to hear people say, wow, that creative is really good. And wow, that only played in the stores where I actually launched the new product and nowhere else. And it was brand safe and you couldn't skip it. And, you know, overall, you know, and it, it just, I just got so excited talking about that because I wish we could do, we could do more of it. Right. Okay. Now on the flip side, what's something that you've seen people do before, that uh, maybe didn't quite work out as planned or was like terrible to listen to or was terribly awful. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait, Ray, do you know in your business, do you know how many people think they sound good? 
right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, you know, and and in radio days or TV was always the car dealership family, right? That always wanted to voice their own ads and oh, things yeah, like this. Of course. We, we had a uh, we had a uh, a launch. We do adult. We do a lot with adult beverage because it's not typically something that um, grocery and isn't normally something they can get access to. But we we've enabled that. So everybody has a wine, right? Everybody has a wine or a <laughs> or a bourbon or a tequila or something. And a very uh, well-known music artist uh, that had bought one was wanting to run ads in across our grocery stores. And um, they sent this over and they had voiced it and it was horrible. It was oh, absolutely no. horrible. Oh no. <laughs> and <laughs> they refused to let us record it with our own, like we have voices that are, um, Right. approved by the grocery or so like they'll say i want you know a female or a male or a deeper you know they they have a sound and they and they like to be consistent and we do that hey they really want this voice oh no no he really wants it to be his and we're, oh my gosh so we just chopped it into these little snippet pieces and then music bed the crap out of it so that you know you could just had you could hear the name of the wine maybe you know but all the other stuff so i you know the the thing that people do wrong most of the time is it kind of goes back to the to the um, story of, um, you know, afterthought versus forethought. Right. We, we have a creative studios and we have a roster of people that do it for a living, the right, good creative. It's very iterative. We, you know, we pride ourselves on including the right people in the conversation. And, you know, we do some really fun stuff. We, we did one with, with Twisted Tea that was so comical and, and they just loved it. It was, you know, it's contextual, it's driving an action, visit a place in the store, um, you know, and, and, and that's really fun. I do wish people did more of that. And, but you're still going to have that one person, you know, Hey, you should get this thing. Cause I told you to, because I'm famous, but it sounds like crap. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> so <laughs> no, I get that too. Yeah. And that is another way to track it. I just, you, you mentioned, you know, having people go to a particular place in the store, it's like a destination location that they have to go to. And then you can actually literally measure the foot traffic of getting people there and yep. tracking it all. But that's also going to lead me into um, one of the things that's happening right now is not being able to track mobile devices on their phones because their location's now turned off, right? So, uh, you know, aside from counting people, um, you know, now you can't necessarily mix it with the, the different uh, ways that we could before with geo-tracking and, you know, location tracking and all of that kind of thing. But I'm curious, um, you know, as our world shifts into this, you know, first party data instead of third party data, how is that going to impact your business? It's a very closely watched topic these days, right? I mean, everybody wants to talk about it. And I believe the first report came out yesterday or this weekend with Apple saying 4% opt-in, right? On the first batch, that will get better. I mean, I don't, you know, people still want to track their running and, you know, get their specials. So, so people will opt in. Uh, right. But we take a hybrid approach. We, we, um, you know, our retail, our retailer partnerships are strong. They're based on um, retail media strategy, right? And you know that that's all such a big thing. And look at Kroger; they're the they're beating Walmart, right? When it comes to the goal of taking that money a, away yeah. from the national and bringing it in. So in those partnerships, if we hold our, our end of the deal up, then they contribute data too, right? So they have loyalty card data. They have you know, point of sale transaction data, we can take that and we can par pair it with what that data is that you're getting from the privacy uh, based opt-in or 
whatever it, it right. becomes, and we can index against that, right? So we have a way of saying we have both, right? Mm-hmm. And so our partner on the location-based side is, is SafeGraph, and if you know that company, but it's an Orrin Hoffman who started LiveRamp um, probably about five years ago. He started, it's like a polygon drawing company, and then uh, they track foot traffic that enters and exits mm-hmm. the space. Um, for us, you know, what we have to make sure of is that there's enough foot traffic being measured to create the right sample size. So we're different than someone that completely relies on IDFA or, you know, or on the Android side, maybe even IMEI or location-based data to match up and get like really deep personal first party stuff. We, all we need is a good sample size on did that device enter the building? How long was it there? And when did they leave? We're good. We can do everything else by matching up against access to other data that we get. And we make that a requirement with our retailers. I mean, again, that's part of the audio out of home equation is that I think what privacy and regulation are going to do is going to get people who have abused what that became for so long back into a place where you really have to come from a validated place, right? You think about Nielsen or Comscore. I mean, They've always said the purity's in the sample, right? And and how good is your sample? Somehow the world said, if I just gather up everybody's location-based data, I can go on scale and make that good enough. Well, what we're going to find is when privacy goes down, you lose your sample size, you better find other ways. And we've preemptively yeah. said our other way is to index against our retail partners. Yeah, that's, that's good because you otherwise would be out of being able to figure out how to move forward without that information. And yeah, you're right, sample would... size is important because you don't want to overdo it and you don't want to have, you know, not enough. So right, <laughs> that's, that's right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I want to know what kinds of resources and tools you use to continue to educate yourself in your industry. Oh, we pay a lot of attention to uh, retailer activity, right? I mean, we, uh, we're we very involved with uh, Pat's Purchase Institute, right? Um, really engage with them. Um, we're very active in the DPAA, the Digital Place-Based Advertising Association, you know, and, and uh, bo- both of those bring a lot of great innovation and, and, and thoughtful people. Um, so just by being involved in them, we get access to a lot of the trends. Um, you know, we pay a lot of attention to anything that comes out about about the retail media growth area, like Goldman Sachs put out that study um, about a couple months now, maybe I'm losing track of time, um, you know, uh, on that side. And, and of course, I mean, we we pay a lot of we try to spread ourselves out across audio and out of home and programmatic. And, you know, we kind of have to keep our fingers on what those are. We, we don't get so much into the um, direct-to-consumer or, or B2C, right? We're kind of like a hybrid B2B business because we're really talking to the retailer who's then, who we're working with to reach a one to few. Um, so we just look for any resource that is on cutting edge. We think DPA is, is out there. They're really pushing the envelope. Uh, P2PI is, is strong. Our partners with 8451 are great you know, for just constantly talking, always sharing ideas with each other. Um, so it, it kind of a hybrid of things because we don't really fit into any one thing. We're not just audio. So I can't say watch streaming and marketing trends and advertising trends because we don't do 
one-to-one -one targeting. We don't worry about cookies on a browser. We don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. It, it's not my business. So it, it's really more about a hybrid of, of what to keep track of. Very good. Okay, so I uh, also am a professor at Boise State University, and so I have students oh, good for that you. listen. Yeah, and uh, so students listen to to this show, and I always like to ask this question: What would you tell somebody before they got into your industry and what you're doing now? What would you say to a student that's about to graduate that uh, they need to know about your career and what you did and what you wish you would have known had you you know, knew about it now, but not then, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, when I get that kind of question, I, I always kind of think back of how did, what is, what choices did I make back then that really controlled where I am now, right? What were those things that really, if I had to go back and say, don't make that choice again, I have a hard time finding something that I would say that was dumb. You know, I, I just always tell people to always try something. Like, just keep trying and learning and don't be that person that somebody has to tell you to do that or, 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 or say, you know, go do this or I, I need somebody to do this. Be that person that's already out there saying, hey, I'm doing this. What do you think about it? Right. Or, or you know, I, I left my first college degree and I, I think it was like 1991 and I came out of college I made $14,000 a year or something, you know, as a, and it was a consulting company um, that I was kind of in a, a tech role slash sell the company, you know, generate billing hours for a team and this kind of thing. And I, I just did anything and everything. Like I didn't wait for anybody to say, Hey Paul, do you want to do that? Or have you thought, no, I, I was constantly. And to this day, I, I find the benefit of all my successes around, I'm always trying to find something that I can contribute to in of work, in at work, at home with my wife and kids, my community service. I'm always just looking for a way to do something, contribute something. And I think people just kind of get hung up on what's my job going to be when I get out of college? Well, you'll find a job because you're a smart person. You've been educated, but your success long-term will be, were you the one that just sat back and waited for it to be handed to you or happen? Or did you just drive all the time, every day of every week, trying to be a better person? I love that a lot. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that I think that they continue to need to be reminded. <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> daughter's uh, graduating from uh, Miami this week um, ah, over at Oxford. Yeah. And she's going to law school next year. And uh, that, that's, not a, that's not an overnight journey. I had to tell her a lot of times, you know do something that you're passionate about and do something that gets you excited. And, you know, when you find that, then you'll do all the stuff I'm saying. And she did, you know, as she figured out that's what she wanted to be, then all of a sudden she was a different person. I love that too. Yeah. So what are some things that maybe have inspired you along the way in, in your path and what are some aspirations or things that you want to do in the future? You know, I don't, I don't know. Could you tell me who inspires you? Would it be like Gandhi or like something like that? Or would it be something? Uh, something yeah, more I mean, philosophical. Maybe, maybe somebody that has, um, you know, you you went to for a mentorship, or you know, get, to get aspirations for from them, or maybe somebody you know influenced you in some way or another that maybe along the way you you picked up on. How about that? Yeah, no, that that's fine. I was just kind of joking around with you there a little bit, but uh, um, I uh, I'm a 
big believer in in you know getting inspiration from people that are kind of directly around you. Um, I am uh, I'm an underdog guy, so you know I'm always fighting for the underdog. I've been around plenty of people in my 25 year career, 15 countries in the world, and lots of celebrities and big names, and you know very high up political figures, um, entertainment stars, rich people. I don't really get inspired by any of that. I, I, I'm truly inspired by, you know, people that have fought through some kind of challenge and they've done it with integrity. They've done it with confidence and they've come out on the other side or they failed and they picked themselves up and come to me and said, that didn't work out. And I don't know, those are the people that inspire me. So if I'm looking around, you know, who I've worked with and, you know, I've been through billion, multi-billion dollar acquisitions and divestitures and, the people that were right around me in that circle inspired me because they were fighting as hard as I was for it. And we were all committed. Um, and so those inspired me. I, I've been super lucky um, in the life, like the, the stages of my life that wherever I was at that time, I was open and seeking that mentorship. Like I wanted it so bad that I found people that really did, that really did big things for me. I give you one example um, when I've kind of in the early days of trying to do some big stuff for the radio industry, I started an automotive company, um, a content company. And, uh, this contract uh, that I did with the industry to become like this, create this new marketing and data distribution platform required a lot of people, right? It was very challenging and it took over a year to negotiate the, the consortium. And, um, and then, you know, there was all this give and take and, I got so lucky. I found this older gentleman. He was an attorney in DC that was involved with some of the biggest mergers that I can't even say them. I mean, they were really, really big deals. Um, and every day we just talked and he would just like calmly, like, don't worry about that. Or, Hey, you know, we need to take a different angle here. And he wasn't really lawyering me. He was teaching me how to stay in control of myself. Right. And um, he had, him and I, I've heard this before. It was never get mad unless you're faking it, right? Like, so it, it always be in control of yourself, right? So I don't know. I've just been lucky to find those kind of people. Probably about four or five in my life that I really feel like I opened myself up to them and was vulnerable about it. And um, another guy I had was a uh, was a baby. He was born in a concentration camp, Nazi concentration camp, as a baby. Lost his parents. Moved wow. in with his family was a very successful lawyer in sports industry, um, but just a lovely person that, that just was honest with me, you know, like you're being stupid, don't do that, you know, that kind of stuff. So oh, that's the kind of people that I, I think you just have to have your mind open to it, you know, and you have to be seeking it out. Right. No, that's great. All right, Paul, tell people how they can reach you if they have a need for what you do and maybe share a little bit of your last parting thoughts uh, as we wrap up our show. Oh, you know, they can always go to vibonomics.com and, you know, go through there and, and, and unless people have already been, you know, talking to some of our folks, but, you know, we're published in the Path to Purchase Institute and P2PI and, and DPA. We're listed those on those sites as well. Uh, but right, you know, vibonomics.com, obviously, you know, something comes our way. Uh, they can email me if they want to, I guess, <laughs> paul.b at vibonomics.com. I'm, I'm not shy to taking a direct uh, outreach and somebody that's trying to do something fun, but you know, I, the challenge for us is, you know, I've said it a few times is we are, and you can tell I'm an energetic person. I mean, I, you know, you can, yeah. I have so much fun. I love audio. I'm a music freak. Um, 
I love advertising. I love doing something new. Um, this team has put four years, five years, five years, yeah, into just the right partnerships, building really great tech. Um, you know, we live and die by the hero's journey. Um, but there's other people out in the market that are saying they can do that, and it's just not true. And and a lot of our challenge is just convincing people to at least reach out to us, and we'll explain it to you. And we, we'd love to be a part of those conversations where we're working together, engaged, and trying to get results. So that's the people we'd really like to talk to. Fantastic. All right, Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Expedition podcast. And uh, yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. And thank you. And then we'll we'll have to be sure and share this. And of course, reviews are always great when people do that for us. So if you like the show, give us a review. And thank you very much, Paul and team. <laughs> thank you, Ray. And until next time, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Expedition podcast. Find more online at peppershock.com. Wouldn't it be great if there was one place you can go to get all the latest information and tips about marketing and advertising? The Marketing Expedition community is that place. People like you gather in our online community to build relationships with others and find the latest marketing trends, tactics, tools, and technology. We help you build your brand and your bottom line. Start your adventure today. Visit themarketingexpedition.com to find out more.